Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean, and in this episode, my wife Lynette does an interview with Shayla. For those of you who were able to listen to our previous episode with Jared, this is kind of a follow-up, maybe a part two in a sense, where Jared and Shayla are birth parents and share their story about placing their son almost a decade ago. Ultimately, maybe a spoiler, they ended up getting married a few years after they placed their first son. And last week we heard Jared's experience and got to hear the birth father perspective of the story. And we thought it would be fun to share with you uh, the same story, but from a different perspective. So we're just gonna jump in and I'll share this interview that Shayla and Lynette had together. And I hope that with this and the episode last week with me and Jared, that you can kind of see the whole picture and the vast array of emotions, feelings, and experiences that happen in an adoption placement. So we hope you enjoy this episode with Shayla. All right, so we are here on the podcast with Shayla. Shayla, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. To start off, can you share some things about yourself? What makes you you? Well, I'm Shayla. I will have a 10-year-old this year, this April, my birth son. And then I have two boys, Declan and Benny. Declan actually turns four this Saturday. I'm not ready. (laughs) I'm not ready. Um, And Benny's two. And I'm working full-time right now. I just started. And I'm taking an online course for medical coding. I love to be outdoors. Really, since getting married, all of my hobbies have kind of, like, shifted So anything outdoors, dirt biking, hiking, camping, those kind of things I I love to do. I grew up camping and fishing, but it's just like a whole different, whole different experience when you go with your spouse or your kids. And I I love doing that with them. Wow. So it sounds like you are super busy with your little ones at home, doing school and work. That's amazing. Thankfully, I married somebody who is pretty good at holding down the house while I'm gone, so. Yeah, I'm so grateful that I married someone like that too, where it's like a true equal partnership. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much. Can you share how you're connected to adoption now? Adoption is in my life in two different ways. My mom is a surrogate, and so I have a half-sister who is 18, and then um adoption came into my life more personally when my boyfriend at the time and i i was 16 he was 18 and we had dated forever but then we found out we were pregnant oh my gosh we didn't know what to do i mean we're young my mom was six months pregnant when i found out that i was and then jared's mom had just found out that she was pregnant as well so we were all pregnant that was that was a nightmare a lot of hormones a lot of crying and anger but we somehow made it alive i don't know how but we did jared and i never considered adoption until my mom had mentioned it and that was around month three and she actually set up like the appointment and we met with Margaret and I actually told her we were doing this podcast and she was so excited. She was so excited. She's the sweetest lady ever. So you guys are still in touch. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. She loves watching our family grow. And so then at four months, we started going and meeting with Margaret every Wednesday. Um, and then things started getting like super hairy between, you know, Jared and I. So we started going separately. And poor Margaret, bless her soul, had to deal with a 16 year old girl who's pregnant and is like madly in love with this guy who's being a bum. And, you know, it was more of just like me going and venting to her for weeks and weeks. And, you know, she tried to like throw in little things here and there of like the adoption. And I'm just like, no, like my sob story. We actually met with a couple because we started looking at couples around six months and about month seven, we thought we had found a couple. And I had my weird stipulations and Jared had his. And so this couple that we found, they were amazing in so many ways. And we actually told them that we were gonna place with them. But then afterwards, I just had like this weird, like feeling I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't feel that's right. It's not the right thing. And so we pushed it off until like a month before the baby was due. And Margaret was like, look, I've got these two couples. I really think you should meet them. Um, one already had kids. And so we're like, okay, you know, one of my stipulations was he like, he had to be the first baby. I wanted him to be spoiled because, you know, Jared and I are both the oldest. The oldest you get spoiled, but you also learn a lot of responsibilities really fast. So I was like, I want that for him. I want him to be able to experience one-on-one -on -one time with his parents. So the first couple, they, it wasn't going to be that way. And then we found out that they were going to be moving out of state. So I was like, mm, no, we met with Devin and Katie. And oh my gosh, that was like not even a meeting at all. It was just like, it almost felt like a catch up. Like we didn't know each other, but they brought this photo album and it was just pictures of like them dating, their wedding, all the adventures that they go on because they do that a lot. I can't keep up with them. And it was just so interesting because I didn't want anybody in state and they lived in the same city as me. And so I was like, okay, this is not what I had originally wanted, but it worked out in so many ways that I'm thankful for. I never did run into them. I ran into Devin once at Walmart, but that was it, oddly. So I met with them and that was on a Tuesday. And then Wednesday, they wanted to take us out to dinner just to kind of get to know us. Thursday was the day that we told them, like, you are like a part of us, you know. Friday, Katie took me out to get pedicures, and I was, like, in labor the entire time. It was so painful, and I'm sitting there, like, you know, trying to keep it together. I'm like, oh, this hurts. I was just like, oh, I just keep getting, like, these contractions, and they hurt. They were like getting more painful, but didn't think anything of it. Then I had them on Saturday, but they were able to put an entire nursery together from what day was it? Thursday to Saturday. We didn't tell them until Sunday 
but that's just because like you know our caseworker wasn't in town and so we're like we're just going to enjoy this night with just the three of us i feel like that really helped me you know just because i i had that time with them so i really love that you made sure that the three of you got that time together with just the three of you i think that's really special and really important so is there anything else that you want to share from your time in the hospital so i'll just start from the beginning because you know it's being a young mom going into the hospital knowing that you're not coming home with that baby unless you decide to change your mind last second but you know what happens um it was crazy my my mom actually took me in because i was at my brother's lacrosse game and jared was at work he picked up a saturday and she was like flying down the freeway i'm in the passenger seat like not even sitting on the seat i'm propping myself up with my head like out the window i'm like oh my gosh like i can't do this and we get to the hospital and they're like you're out of six so and i just remember my mom saying we're having a baby today (laughs) and i was just like crying i was like ah so i'm like texting jared and he didn't believe me because we had a false alarm the night before And I was like, no, like, this is the real deal. I don't remember much because I went, I went pretty hard on the epidural button. I will admit that I couldn't move my legs for like four hours after. I remember there was like a moment of like panic because the cord was wrapped around his neck. They were like, we've got to get this baby out. So I pushed for 45 minutes and I delivered him, but I wasn't able to hold him right away because, you know, he had, he did have the cord wrapped around his neck and he came out white and he was like blotchy. Um, so they took him to the NICU. The first picture I saw of him, uh, my dad was holding him up, had him like propped up. I had him at 4.51 and I didn't see him until almost nine just cause they wanted to make sure that he was okay. And then they wheeled me down and I was able to see him. Sunday, we texted Devin and Katie. That's when we decided because, you know, we took the time to go through the list of names that they had given us to pick from. And then we thought of like his middle name because they gave us free range of that. Um, and then that's actually how we told him that he was here. We sent a little picture of us all together and we're like, he looks like a Carson. They came to the hospital and they got to feed him. My emotions were kind of shut off at that point. I was just thankful because, you know, they took the time to put this huge, like, tote of, like, very meaningful gifts. It was just really thought out. And, you know, they did, like, one for me, one for Jared, and just, like, all this stuff. And they even had all of their family members write a letter to us and you know they were just excited to you know meet us and for us to be a part of the family and i still have all of this i think that helped because there was a lot of really good gifts in there um they gave us a picture album of them that you know we could go through and put pictures of carson in to add to it then came monday when our caseworker was back in town 
and that day was hard just because I, I had been crying we had my mom my dad jared's parents and then some of jared's siblings had come to see the baby and so there was just a lot of people we had the caseworker there and then we had to have our witnesses and so i i broke down i lost it i went and i hid in the bathroom and i just cried and cried and i was like i don't want to do this like this hurts way too much and jared came in and he sat with me and i don't know where i'd be if i didn't have all the support not just from him but from like my parents and my caseworker and Devin and Katie, because I knew that they would always be there, and they have. I mean, like looking back at the pictures, that's all I can remember. And I just remember like sitting there posing for these pictures, trying to look happy. And it's like, it is such a happy moment. But the picture that gets me the most is when they captured us, like handing him over. And like the last image I have was of all of us like leaving the hospital and driving away in separate cars. I had a friend, like my best friend, she came and stayed with me for, oh my gosh, she stayed with me for like two weeks after I had him. And the first night my mom and her got in my bed and slept next to me all night. Three days before I went into labor, like Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, it's like Tuesday or Wednesday. My mom took me to pick out a little dog as like, as like my baby. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's such a good idea. It was the best thing ever. Yeah. Having like a puppy helped so much because I had something to come home and look forward to. And it's like that little dog looked up to me for everything. And he did. Oh, and my mom, actually, she snuck him into the hospital a couple times. Um, I do feel like I was I was kind of able to move past like all the adoption grief afterwards because my mom did just have my sister and she was six months when I had Carson and then my mom was like in and out of the hospital just really really sick for an entire year. So you know between the dog my sister and then working I kept myself so busy so so busy so can you share what your relationship with dev and katie has looked like ever since after carson was born yes so the relationship with devin and katie it i mean we started off as friends because you know we just clicked so well and one of my one of my stipulations was i wanted it closed because i did i was like i don't want any contact i I just want to move on and heal. But then, you know, we compromised and we're like, okay, well, what if we do like the first year? If that, that was actually Margaret's idea. But then no, Devin and Katie came dancing in the way they do. And with these big smiles and this like, oh my gosh, they are amazing. A year came by and it, it went by so fast. You know, we were getting, the first three months, we would go like every other week. And we did like once a month for a long, long time. Even when like Jared and I had split, 
for about a year and a half and you know they still made it work you know meeting like both of our needs and double the gifts and everything once the year mark hit you know we had like our talk katie was like she's like i don't want anything to change i couldn't do it because we had such a good bond we didn't look at it as we gave you our child it was more of like you are a part of our family now you helped us in a way that we could never repay you and that i do feel like that is a big thing is to let the birth parents know like no you're a part of our family now we are still in a very open adoption <clears throat> we actually just went dirt biking with them it was so fun we're just planning this you know full day trip with them like it's no big deal it's always kind of been like that. The coolest thing ever, he had a talking church and it was on friendship and he invited us to go. And I thought, hey, this is kind of interesting, like inviting us to go to church with you. And Jared couldn't make it because he was working, but I went and it wasn't just a talk on friendship. It was a talk on our friendship with them. And he's like, I can't remember word for word, but from what I took of it, it was like, you know, we had to trust them right off the bat. No notice, nothing, just we're getting a child from you. You know, we have to build this trust really fast. And I already said it once, but it's like the most important thing is to have that friendship with them because they will be a part of your life the rest of your life. What would your advice be for someone who's trying to build one of these non-traditional familial relationships, right? Where you you don't quite have that foundation of trust yet, where you're building this relationship and you're trying to get to that point. You talk, you communicate, you be honest. Like if you if you need a video to hear the baby's cry, do it. I did it. I was like, I just need a video. And there were there were a lot of times where I kind of held back. It was more so the moments where I'm like, I really, really need it. Versus the moments of like, oh, I miss his little face. You know, I I didn't want to exhaust my gift that I was being given. I wanted to, you know, just, I wanted to stay on the surface. And then it's like, okay, I'm only gonna do that when I really, really need it. And there were definitely times, you know, be like, hey, like I said, can you just send me a video? I can just have a hard day. I've never called Katie. I'm not a phone call person. But I just text her and be like, hey, can we do an extra visit? Like, and she would say yes or no. Like, okay, yeah. You know, does this day work? That's the only time I'm free or we're free. And I'll be like, yeah. And I definitely feel like they they made sure that my needs were met. And they never made me second guess my decisions or made me feel bad for asking for those extra visits or pictures or videos. We would get like updates every week. Katie would sit down and type out and we still have all of them. Jared's mom actually went through and printed them all. And then like put the pictures with them. So we have like this binder, it's like this big of like the first six months of his life, just of these updates and pictures. And like, those really helped a lot. 
I feel like we were definitely kept in the loop too. Like, oh, he's, you know, he's breaking a tooth or he smiled. We would get pictures of it all. So it's not like we were missing out on that. She definitely kept us very in the loop. And you have, like, you really do. You have to go into it knowing that it's not a business transaction. It's, or a business purchase. It is your life, your entire life. You need to go with somebody that you connect with right off the bat. Don't just be like, oh, here's my baby and then be done. Like I full on backed out of a placement because I'm like, I just don't have a good feeling about it. And I'm so glad that I did because we would not have what we have today. What do you wish you had known about adoption before your son was born? That it takes forever and it's super painful for your milk to dry because everybody gets it. That hurts a lot. I imagine that adds to the emotional trauma too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it's like you're in pain and like even expressing it a little bit just makes more come in. So you're literally wrapped in a bandage. I mean, I was 16. I didn't think like, oh, I wonder if I could like pump and then give it to him or even donate it at that point. But there's so many options now for people to do that. There's so much that goes into it. It's like, what's best for me? What's best for them? What's best for the baby? And it's like, at that point, like after placement, you have to do what's best for you. You have to focus on you. You have to grow. You have to figure out this new life. You have to figure out how to talk to people because there's some people coming up and they're like, well, where's your baby? And then you're like, placed him for adoption. They're like, you gave him away? It's like, no, 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 no. No, I gave him more than I could ever give him. I gave him a mom, a dad that loved each other, a stable home. I can grow up still. I can, I can continue. And for high schoolers, they don't really see that. But it's like <clears throat> the way that Katie tells Carson how he came into this world was he had to come through me. And she wouldn't have him if it weren't for me. And so now I'm like, that's how it is. Like, I had to go through the sacrifice and the heartache and everything. But to see Devin and Katie with a family and this child that is, he just meshes with them. I mean, his natural talents are like right up there with what they do. And so it's just, it's rewarding. It's like, I helped that family get started. So that's, that's the best way I explain it now is he had to come through me to go to them. The timing was not ideal, but we made the best of it. Wow. That's beautiful. What kind of pre and post placement counseling did you receive? It sounds like you had a good relationship with your counselor, Margaret. So what did that counseling look like? None, actually. It was only during. I, I kind of shut off. I, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I never got big into like the adoption community where, you know, birth moms are telling like, 
their story all the time and trying to like help counsel counsel people um i just kind of stayed low-key people would ask me all the time for advice and i, I would do what I, I could i i have helped quite a few people but it's nice you know going out there and people don't know everything about me it never really gets easier it you just kind of learn to cope with it and like each birthday the birthdays are getting easier you know as my family grows um you know it's gotten easier but for the first couple of years holidays are hard and mother's day especially but katie always made sure to you know text me give me flowers or a gift on birth mother's day which is the day before um and she always she always made sure i knew how much she loved me and appreciated me and that helped a lot um but the real struggle really did come when i had another when we got pregnant with declan i was kind of like in this weird like shock i'm like okay this is like really weird i would have like a nightmare of katie taking him from me or leaving empty-handed and i was like nobody ever talked about life and pregnancy and marriage after adoption granted i married the birth dad but a lot of people don't have that and that's something that is a major struggle is that fear of leaving empty-handed again and that's all i can remember thinking was like nobody talks about this like this is hard you have that fear you have like am i worthy enough am like am i am i mature enough now to have a kid like can i do this can i raise it like you just have so many questions and nobody knows how to talk to you about that they're just like no you'll be a good mom you know you can do this and it's like no but really like i couldn't the first time and so how am i capable now why and that was a really big struggle it it took a toll on me i i didn't feel connected with the pregnancy at all it wasn't until until i had him i want to say that you know i was like okay i'm okay like he's not leaving me i've been a stay-at-home mom and so he's literally been by my side all the time and so it's weird going back to work and you know i i told jared that i wanted that i was like i want you know at least the first year you know to stay home with him because it healed me a lot i'd have to say that that was like the biggest other than the day of actually signing, pregnancy afterwards is the next biggest struggle. It's hard being more like mature now. It was just people looked at you weird. And especially coming from like, you know, the super like religious areas, you know, they're like, oh, you're not really worthy. Like what you did was amazing. But it's still like, oh, 
you had premarital sex, you did something that you shouldn't have. It's like, yeah, I admit, yeah, I did, obviously. But I also just created a family. So, I mean, it is what it is. That one's hard. It's a hard question. We're not any less of a mom. We're not any less of a human being. We, we are a lot stronger than people give us credit for. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I couldn't do that. It's like, I didn't think I could either, but I saw, I saw the positive. I saw the future. I saw the future for this baby. And I saw what my future would be like if I had kept him versus placing him. And I, you know, you just have to think it through. And I don't regret it. That is one thing. Um, and I don't know that I've ever met anybody who, who honestly regrets it. We have our days. Yes. We have our weeks. Yeah. But there was never more than like a week where I was like, why did I do this? Like, why? Because you go to bed, you wake up and you're fine. You take a nap and you wake up and you're okay. Like the hormones that come with it are insane. Not, I guess I shouldn't say the hormones, but like the emotions. It's hard. It, it is a roller coaster because you just get these waves of like, oh my gosh, like I miss that baby. It is, it is very traumatic. I do feel like there is some PTSD with it because you know, you go into the hospital, you go through labor, you get wheeled out of the hospital in a wheelchair with flowers and your bag of belongings. And that's that. Meanwhile, you know, the baby's going home and now the, this couple, they're going to have these sleepless nights. And it's like, you know, they struggle and I struggle. You know, I, I go through the grieving, the, the healing and everything, but they're up all night and, you know, they're trying to figure out like which formula is the best. And there's just a lot of struggles that nobody ever talks about, like the deep. It's not just like this beautiful picture where, you know, you guys walk out together holding hands. It's like, now you, the cold, hard reality is you go home empty handed. They go home and their sleep is gone for who knows how long they don't, you know, they get like a, a brief list of food allergies from the parents. And it's like, okay, we don't know if this baby is, you know, sensitive to milk or, you know, have soy issues or any of those random things out there now. And I, I have to give mad props to Devin and Katie for pulling it together so fast. And I look back at the pictures and I'm like, I understand now, like they were exhausted. And the fact that they just, they kept working on building the nursery and taking care of the newborn and keeping up with us. Like that is something that just, I'll never understand is how they can live 
their life, but then make sure that our needs are met and the next birth mom's needs are met and then the next. I love hearing this empathy that you have for Dev and Katie and their experiences. And I imagine that's really beneficial to your relationship when you're both practicing this empathy toward each other and thinking about the other's needs and trying to help one another. Yeah. Do you have any parting advice for how other expectant parents or birth parents can get through these hard things in adoption? If I could tell every young pregnant mom who's even considering it to weigh like the goods and the bads, there are so much more, like there's a lot more good that comes out of it versus not. They're not alone. There's a lot of people that they can talk to. What they're doing or what they're thinking, it's valid, you know, like all feelings are valid, especially when it comes to adoption. Like you're not any less for considering adoption. You're not any less for going through with it. Like if if you have any doubt that you are going to struggle, your baby is going to struggle. And if you have just even like the smallest glimpse of adoption, like I highly recommend digging into it, finding somebody who's in it and just talking to them. It, and then stay in the, stay in the baby's life because it does have a long term effect because they get to that age where they're like, I want to know who my birth parents are. And so it's like, no, you know, you're not of age yet. So, and then it just kind of, it gets to him. Um, Jared sees a lot of that with his work. There's a lot of troubled boys who have been adopted and a lot of them don't have their birth parents. And so I feel like staying in the picture, being there for the birth mom, you know, as like the birth dad, be there for her because it is hard and she's going through all the emotions just as well, as well as carrying the baby, feeling the kicks and dealing with all the hormones. Like you, you don't get an easy pass out. Like you don't, because as the birth mom, like that is something that you live with. And it's a lot harder for women, for sure. You, you don't get to just up and go. It's about love. It really is. It's, it's about love in every shape and form, every direction that you look at adoption, it is all based out of love and it comes straight from the heart. You have to sacrifice so much and it's because of the love you have. And it's a love that no other parent that isn't a part of like the adoption whether it's like the adoptee, the birth mom, dad, grandparents, whatever, anybody that's associated with it, they just have this love brick that is in their heart and it's strong and it makes them stronger because it's something that you can't just do every day. It is something that takes a lot of time, a lot of preparing mentally, emotionally, physically, but in the end, 
you get the biggest reward. Your family grows sometimes 10 times the size. And I, I am so grateful for the family that I am a part of now. Because there's so many and they just, they share their love with me. And I feel, I feel accepted and a part of them. I think that is a beautiful note to end on. Shayla, thank you so much. We loved having you on the podcast and really appreciate you being here and sharing with us. Thank you, you too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. And we want to give a big thanks to Shayla again for sharing her story with us and being just so open and really just sharing some raw feelings and emotions. Yeah, I loved talking to Shayla and I loved hearing her side of the story as well as Jared's and just putting those together. I thought it was really neat to hear both of their perspectives and their thoughts. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, we got the kind of the overarching feel of what the story was like last week. And this, I think, plugged in a lot of um, more like in the moment type of feelings and emotions. One thing that I really appreciated about this episode and Shayla sharing, and we've we heard a little bit about this in our episode with Gina, but uh, there's not a lot of talk, at least not seemingly uh, to birth parents when they are then growing the family that they're going to raise themselves. So like um, after placing. Yeah, after yeah, yeah after placing, having a, another child, um, what that might be like, what feelings might happen. Um, I think both Gina and Shayla shared that they had dreams like that the baby was taken away or that something bad would happen. And I think it's important for us in the adoption community to support birth parents as they continue to in the future grow a family and have more children um, and to help them cope through maybe some difficult challenges that they might face. Yeah, and really encouraging therapy and professional help. Those were some really deep traumatic feelings to experience. I really loved how her mom encouraged her to get a support animal and helped her cope with her feelings right after placing with that. I thought that was such a smart idea. And it sounds like it was really meaningful and helpful for her. Yeah, it seemed to work really well for her. Yeah, I had never heard of that happening. Me either. Yeah. I mean, logically, it makes sense to me yeah. that that would work. Well, I think a thing to consider would be that no matter how people are going to cope, we need to just support them how, how we can. Yeah, I just loved talking to Shayla. She is such a likable, wonderful person. Next week, we'll be back with another interview episode where we'll be talking to Anna Katia and she'll be sharing her story as an adoptee and talk about looking for her biological family in Costa Rica. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project.